There we go. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, everyone. This is the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex, and I am your host, Nika Shirell. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. We have some events coming up this season. You can join us at The Chase uh, coming up November 4th through 7th. You can learn more about The Chase at chase.pet. We also have our Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit. Uh, we are going to be doing that February 4th and 5th of 2023. Early bird tickets are coming soon. Those will be out October 15th. So uh, go ahead and go to sexhealthsummit.com so you can RSVP and get more information. If you would like one-on-one -on -one coaching from me, uh, we will, uh, we would, I would love to work with you. <laughs> Please go to my link tree and book a free connection session. And uh, I'd love to have a conversation to see how I can support. Also ask us anything. We love getting your questions. We love hearing from you. So pop them in the chat. Feel free to submit the Q&A form. Uh, you can do it completely anonymously. Uh, just let us know what you wanna know. All right. Um, you can get access to our bonus con uh, content on our Patreon. Uh, there you can find our green rooms and our after chats and any other awesome content we come up with. Um, also, you can get discounts to some of our events and even get into some for free. Just go subscribe to our Patreon. Um, all right. So uh, subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Let's go ahead and dive in. So this week's topic is real talk, real talk on healing the soul through kink. Today in the booth, we have Seven and Danny of Sabersmith. Sabersmith is a queer owned and operated leather maker based in Oregon, specializing in gear, garments, and lingerie that affirm the sensory needs of sensitive people. Each piece is made to last a lifetime with proper care and strives to deliver on quality, functionality, and beauty. Their attention to detail prioritizes comfort for the user, making pleasure accessible to even the most sensitive, non-neurotypical queer. They recognize that leathers are not simply accessories, but creations with the potential to be spiritually bonded, gender, and sexually affirming companions. All right, Seven, Danny, come on the show. Uh, thank you so much for that introduction. Absolutely. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous. Uh, so let go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose to do the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, so about myself or about, yeah, so I'm, my name's Danny. Um, I've been really like pretty involved in kink. Like it, it was a slow, slow transition for me throughout my life, but it's become a, a pretty big part of, of how I express myself in relationships and also a huge part of how I do a lot of my own like personal spiritual, like, uh, like personal spiritual growth. And um, yeah, and we've gotten really involved in the last couple of years. Uh, me and Seven have have made that our, our full time business is is uh, facilitating the kink lives of others. And so, yeah, when you when you talk to us about um, having the opportunity to talk about what we're what we've been you know spending all of our time talking about with each other, like with you, 
uh, I, I definitely jumped at that opportunity. Nice, nice. Thank you. Like getting to sit and hear your passion and why you're doing this work is just so incredible. So I'm really grateful to have you here. Um, Seven, would you like to say anything? Sure. Uh, I'm Seven. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. And uh, I think, you know, I guess how I got introduced to the world of kink was mostly around being, uh, coming from being highly sensitive myself and kind of finding out uh, how that influences intimacy needs and um, experiences. And, you know, I can say that succinctly looking back uh, at the journey <laughs> and with the framing that, that we have now, but it's, um, it's been exploratory. So I, I think what I love about, you know, your podcast is that you're creating a platform to have these conversations of, um, from lots of different people around their experiences, around intimacy, sex, kink, all of that good stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just very pleased that we're here to, to share. Thank you. I love it. Um, you mentioned a few things and, you know, accessibility and exploration. Um, accessibility is incredibly important in the work that we're doing here because, you know, allowing people to understand their bodies and ev evolve, you know, and see what's available for them, I think it's really incredible. And so providing access to anyone who's going through anything, any shape, any form is incredible. Um, and exploration. Yeah, you said that and I'm like, yes, it's all about exploring. <laughs> Like what works, what doesn't, like what moves you, what, like I, oof, yeah, what I, the things now in my life are not what I thought it was supposed to be based on the archetype that I had, you know, it was like, this is very normative. And I'm like, nah, that's not how I get down or enjoy getting down. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, actually, um, we're, we're in San Francisco now getting ready to be at Folsom and we're staying with a really good friend of ours who's, um, quite vanilla actually and we always laugh because he will will kind of show things that we've made and like kinky stuff to him and he's like that's about sex <laughs> like, I, I don't get it it's like <laughs> where's sexy? the where's the sex I don't <laughs> like how does them wearing a muzzle facilitate sex yeah and to us we're like isn't it obvious <laughs> <laughs> yeah like nobody can see your expression and see how you're reacting to them that's really hot right <laughs> <laughs> and imagine the freedom you know of not having to express externally what you're feeling inside mm. yeah. yeah um yeah and uh like, like i'm autistic and a lot of that, the way that it expresses itself for me is around the, um, both around like needing a lot of like reassurance in somebody's like expression and like being very like exuberantly over expressive. Mm. <clears throat> and um, so like kink for me, like when I mentioned the muzzle thing, it's like, that's been a really interesting thing for me to play with, both as me wearing a muzzle and as my partner wearing a muzzle, because um, like when I'm engaging with somebody, it's really, it can be really hard for me to stay in the moment if I get insecure because they're not being expressive enough. 
Mm-hmm. And that can be like a lot of pressure to put on a partner. Like you need to be more expressive for me. Yeah. And so to like experiment with those types of things, like, you know, to, to play with like, what does it look like if I can't see your face? Um, like that change things for me. And there's some like real self-love that I've found through that and some small self-acceptance around like what my needs are because of that sort of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hearing that there's safety. You know, like there's a whole different level of of comfort and ability to be with people without the I guess I'm hearing like fear and concern perhaps um, about what the, what things might mean. Um, I, I know for like, for myself, like I have severe social anxiety. And so like, if someone's mood, like if they just get quiet, I'll be like, oh my God, what did I do? I fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, kink is, uh, a language, a series of languages to navigate that kind of experience and to kind of equalize between two or more, you know, people's different internal worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the example you just shared, uh, like I am one who, who will go quiet. And like, if you might ask me a question, it might take me a few minutes to get back to you. <laughs> and for somebody with social anxiety, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, through exploring and, and using these tools to kind of dive into your own psyche and understand what's going on there, um, then we can kind of communicate. Like, this is what's going on in my head. Um, I don't hate you. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think something that um, that kink has really given me, and, and actually it's really funny, we went we were seeing a couples therapist for a while and like they were relating to that one of their sort of things they do a lot is help vanilla people understand concepts that are within kink that are just really helpful concepts. Uh, things like safe words, like pre-negotiate that when you say this, it means this. Yeah. Uh, and communication. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and like the kind of the kind of negotiation and communication that is so common within kink. Yeah. Uh, it's just really helpful stuff in relationships, you know, like just being able to be really open around like. Like when you do this thing, like it, it affects me in this way and we can negotiate how we are, how we show up for each other. In those ways. Yeah, no, that's, that's very real. And I love, and I love the way that you're framing it. You mentioned earlier around like the self-love and like, that's kind of like discovering that and, you know, a little bit of where it begins is like, then that leads to the communication and the being able to negotiate and create what works well for you. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really potent. I had an experience recently. So I mentioned the social anxiety and I was at a dinner party and I made a joke 
And then like minutes after I made the joke, I was like, that was really rude. Why did I say that? That's horrible. That's true. Everybody here hates me. I'm so embarrassed. And like, <laughs> and like I shrank for, I don't know, like five or six minutes at the table and I didn't know what to say. It was super fucking awkward. And, um, and then I, I went to apologize and they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, that's my anxiety talking. And like, I took a deep breath and I was like, got it. And when I was able to share that with them and like really kind of bring us all on the same page, they're like, oh yeah, it's good that you're able to talk about it. And thank you for sharing. And like immediately the feeling of anxiety like went away. And then it, I kept trying to be like, where is it? Like <laughs> trying to find it. And it was dissipated. And that was really, really powerful to like have that new space. So yeah. Really freeing and what a blessing you know to to be with a group of people where you felt like you could express that and clear the air for yourself yeah I've had a similar um yeah I had a similar need come up and uh like similarly um like within within one of my kink dynamics there's just like a lot of pre-agreed kind of like um check-ins you know, just like, are we still cool? And, and knowing that I do have that like anxiety that builds up in me just to have that like pre-agreed, like, do you have space for this? Like, do we, do you have space to, to affirm me when I need it? And those kinds of uh, agreements are things that I learned through that kink mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um previously we talked about emotional consent and so like that that space of are you able to hold what I'm going through in your space you know in how you engage in this type of play or what comes up for you and I remember um one of my partners was like, I got to a point where I was feeling like really emotionally invested. And I was like, oh, like you need to know this. Like, and like my experience with catharsis and all these different things when it comes to kink, not everybody has that experience but like being able to communicate and like say, you know, like what you need and what works, it keeps everybody safer. You know, like the, those check-ins, everything. So, um, you know, I really, uh, I really appreciate it when like we kind of noted to that. Can you remind uh, me what we were talking about <laughs> when we were talking <laughs> about <emotional> consent? <laughs> um. <laughs> or we can work on remembering together. <laughs> Let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just whatever, you know, whatever comes up when you think about that, because like it came up in the conversation around informed consent. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things is like we talk about it in the medical field, like, okay, here's this info, sign this paper. Um, and then we talk about it like, you know, in the realm of the kink community where it's like, you know, having the negotiations and like what works, pleasure negotiation, different things like that. But like in that space, informing your partner of all the things that they may need to know is right. something that gets yeah. skipped over. Right, not yeah. not just like, here are the acts, A-C-T-S, that, um, yeah. that I'm okay with, that I want, but like, here's sort of the emotional fallout that uh, we, we could 
know, do you, are you consenting to holding me um, after we have this scene, knowing that things could come up that we have no clue about yeah. until it's there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was that was the the thread we were talking about was like that that when you go into any scene, whether it's like an impact scene or a degradation thing, or whether it's whether on one side of it or the other, you're thinking of it as a like a, a highly physical thing or a highly like mental emotional thing, you can run into things that you're not expecting. So like. I think that's a huge part about that informed consent is like having the agreements and the negotiations for what happens when things do inevitably go off the rails. Mm -hmm. Because as much as you do pre-plan, the whole point of this is play. You don't really know what you're, what's going to come up when, you know, when a certain word is, is used on you that maybe reminds you of being bullied as a kid or something. That could be a thing. And that drop and then the rehealing kind of after that uh, trauma or emotional you know, challenge um, is like the, the healing experience that, that we go for in kink. You know, like yeah. back to your dinner party example, um, I imagine the relief of your social anxiety was so much more because you dropped and then you came back up. Yeah. It was cleared fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, what you were saying about like, there are things that come up, you know, like you get into the space, you get into, you know, the scene, you get into the scene and then you run into like, this came up, that came up and not expecting it. Um, that's That happens in what I'll call normative sex too, like vanilla sex, um, but like normative, like we, <clears throat> it's easy to stumble across those things and then like push past them and kind of pretend like they didn't happen. Um, so I think, you know, just kind of correlating those two worlds because I, I wanna make sure people aren't, you know, this doesn't mean this in that situation, but really these things are all interconnected. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, what you're saying really touches on something I hear a lot when I talk about either kink or poly is I, they're, to me, they're very related. Um, and uh, there's a lot of sort of like, but it takes so much work and like you have to do so much. And my thought has always been like, this, this work is work that just makes relationships better. Like, so if you have one partner or four to, to know yourself and to know what your insecurities are and to know how to like work with other, like all the stuff that's really required to make that work, it works the same in one relationship and all the stuff, all the communication that, that and care that kink requires is all stuff that just makes relationships better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a comment in the chat that just fits so perfectly. As someone outside of the kink community, I'm seeing that kink offers an education in great communication in every area of life. It can. It can, yeah. yeah. And you know, back to like, you know, what is kink? But it, it, kink is, you know, in my mind, not that different from like sexual exploration. It's just a different, 
categorization umbrella um, of sort of experiences and like you can push boundaries with vanilla sex and and discover you know edges for yourself and explore things that um, have either cultural or emotional you know weight behind them um, that you're intentionally picking apart and, and experiencing so I really like that you are pointing out that we're we're not just talking about kink here. Kink is the um, like the entry point. Yeah, and there yeah. are many entry points to this kind of depth of communication and breakdown of your psyche. Really, um, in, in what we're talking about. I think it's interesting you brought up like even what is kink. Yeah. What was that? Sorry. <clears throat> I was saying, I think that it's interesting they brought up, like, even, like, what is kink? Like, we didn't even really define kink, like, when we just started talking about this. Like, kink can be so different for, for everybody. And I know people who, like, really are, like, staunchly, I am not kinky. But, like, they love to get spanked. And it's like, okay, I think, we, I don't know how we agree what kinky is. <laughs> and, like, for me, definitely like watching a machine, like a machinist video on YouTube where somebody's like grinding a perfect gear. Ooh. That's so sexual for me. <laughs> Mika, your face. Yes. <laughs> I, I was in art school, which every phrase starts with the, the best phrases. Um, so uh, we were looking at tools one day and there was this drill like I don't know it was a drill that had like four handles on it and I was like hardware porn <laughs> <laughs> like literally it was just it, there was nothing just a drill and I was like I also have tool envy I was <laughs> uh, a good tool in your hand feels uh, I, I hope you can come by our booth and hold one of our paddles that we've been making because for me, I really do fetishize the way things like feel in my hands. Mm -hmm. And so that's been the kind of rabbit hole that I've been going down. And I matched our, uh, our paddle handles to a cast iron pan because it was just like, oh. it was that feel I wanted that like I can hold something that weighs way too much, but like I can hold it. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. So I hope you can come by and feel that because yes. that to me is so sensual. Um, and, and everyone out there, um, Sabersmith and I will be at the Folsom Street Fair this weekend. If you're in the Bay Area, if you're local, if you're coming out to visit, definitely come and check out the work that we're doing um, and, and see what's available in this conversation. Um, you mentioned where your booth is. Do you want to share that so people can find you? Sure. Yeah, yeah we'll be on uh, Folsom Street at the corner of Folsom and Ninth. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, look for the booth with uh, well, actually, lots of plant <laughs> little like, <laughs> gags and leather. Yeah, and we're going to be doing, um, we've actually been really focused on doing strap-ons lately and going back to kind of like the way things feel and those that being so like so, so sensual and sexual in itself, mm -hmm. like the way that a piece of equipment feels. Um, we've been really focused on making strap-ons that feel like like a part of your body. And nice. so to do that, we've created this fitting harness that like 
you can dial in every aspect of how it fits on you. And then we can get the numbers and like make something to you that fits just like that. So we're doing a, a like a fitting booth tomorrow. Nice. Sunday. Nice. Yes, Sunday. Sunday the 25th. Um, and you'll be able to find my booth at 11th and Howard, and it'll be easy to recognize. I'm the dick gun chick. So look for the dick gun. <laughs> <laughs> <find you. laughs> we'll have to do um, we have a we have a wall that uh, we've made that has like like lots of greenery and a bunch of uh, like styrofoam heads that have ball gags on them. And then we made like this big, like nice sign in gold letters that just says, shut up. Uh, it'd be really fun to do a little photo shoot of the dick guns oh. or the shut up sign. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ideas, we'll talk about those later. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, okay, so in the conversation, though, I love what you were pointing to, Seven, about like pushing your edge. So like there's that and it comes up a lot. Like I think about when I went to my acting class and it's like, I, I, I don't want to, but like pushing past that and like feeling what's available is super important. Um, and I also correlated, you mentioned the edge. And also we've talked about the drop. And so like, I had never thought about like literally going over the edge before, but that's just <laughs> how I related <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, in the work that we do, I think what's most, most important is that we know that like the people who are our customers, our community, um, in exploring kink, like we are pushing those edges, but to push an edge safely and pleasurably, it has to come from a place of comfort and safety. Um, and especially so, you know, for some people mm -hmm. who are autistic, neurodivergent, um, highly sensitive, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, is have PTSD. Um, mm -hmm whatever it is going in, on in your psyche, um, like pushing edges is still healthy and exciting um, and also more risky. Yeah. So the comfort factor psychologically, physically um, is just super, super important. Yeah. I, um, the accessibility uh, aspect of it, you know, like looking at neurodivergence, but also looking at, like you mentioned, physicality and, you know, like the idea of having an invisible disability or like actually like needing uh, a mobility aid or needing, you know, um, just different ways to access what's available in pleasure. And like you said, in a safe, like safely, you know, pushing your edges in a way um, in which you can trust what's happening. I think that's hugely important. I love what that, what this is bringing to that. Um, so, sorry, I don't want to move too fast. <laughs> Go for it. Um, the drop. So I don't know that everyone out there actually knows what a drop is. Um, and so I'm curious if we could talk just a little bit more about what that looks like. Oh, really? What did I say? That's a great question. <laughs> um, well, I guess for me, um, there, there's basically a, a high that 
you know, personally, there's a high that I'm seeking, that I'm riding, that I'm clutching onto, um, that we're, you know, that, that's kind of what I'm seeking for in my explorations is that flow state um, feeling of being like surfing. You know, I caught the wave and we're going and this is awesome. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> and, then the, and then the wave is over, you know, there, there's like a limit to the energy that we can put into that flow state. Um, so inevitably there's, um, there's a, you know, an end to every like pleasurable experience, or I don't want to say an end, but a, uh, down regulation back to your kind of default state and comparatively, um, it, it feels like a drop in, in your endorphins and your excitement and your bodily sensations, um, and although it's not necessarily, you know, it's not bad to come back down to earth. We, we need to be on earth. We need to be grounded um, to, you know, function and to incorporate our learnings and to, you know, function basically. Yeah. <laughs> we can't always. But it's hard. Stage. It it, it yeah. it's hard to make that transition sometimes, and it can it can bring up. Um, you know, emotional weight. And in, in that process of dropping back down, equalizing back to standard or, or like default state, um, there, a lot can come up either in your body, in your mind, um, you might be reflecting on your experience, you might just be sad, but it's not happening anymore. Um, and I think with like a very sort of loving, hold of that experience uh the drop can be just a part of your integration um, and that can be you know as valuable as the the high mm. you know the aftercare cuddling or whatever it looks like for you where you're <laughs> you've, you've you've rode your wave and you're like whoa that was really cool um it, it has the potential you know to be really great Really hard. Thank you. Yeah. Or really unexpected. Mm -hmm. And you can be in the middle of a scene and be looking across the street and the house catches on fire. And yes. that can bring up stuff that there's no way you could have possibly, like, that literally happened to me. And I, like, it months later, me and that partner are still kind of processing the things that that brought up. And it's actually the healing has come in like the, the months following, mm -hmm. like, like us holding space for each other for the, the feelings of that brought up. Can you say, can you say, yeah. you just dropped, <laughs> dropped fire. <laughs> so, sorry. Yeah. I think that actually goes right. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and trigger warning, I'm going to talk about fire because I actually have been in a structured fire and have some PTSD around that. And, um, and I was, uh, yeah, having a scene and literally like, like I was on the third floor of our house and um, like the, the, the cross was facing the window so they could like look out like over the valley and see the trees, like very romantic flogging. 
And, um, but then it got super intense. And then all of a sudden they were just like, they just were like, is the house across the street on fire? And it was, and like, next thing you know, like I'm calling 911 and it's like, it's a whole thing. And like, we were just like life, it like in a kink scene, oftentimes real life seems very far away. Like, I think that's part of what, what makes it work. Mm-hmm. You're in a deeply possibly like internal space or like connected space and everything else is very far away. So to have that like real life just be like in my face and something that was so triggering, uh, it, it was very, very jarring <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, yeah, it kind of snatches you, like snatches you back into reality in a space and a time in which that's not actually I don't know that's ever really healthy to be snatched anywhere <laughs> but yeah uh, the healing uh, go ahead yeah and and so you know and that's one of those ways that kink you you and really you know like all sexual encounters and you know like I said what is kink because I think sex is pretty kinky uh, I think marriage is pretty kinky I think marriage is hella kinky okay? <laughs> power dynamics <laughs> Totally. You're the only person I'm ever going to have sex with ever again in my life. That's some crazy chastity play. <laughs> like, so oh, I don't like what is kink, <laughs> but I, but like within kink, when, when you're going deep and, and those things, those unexpected things, it's the, like, like I said, like the months after, like how you hold space for, for whatever's happened, for whatever unexpected thing came up that makes the relationship, that builds the trust, that, that deepens, deepens the relationship in a way that can facilitate healing in yourself. I mean, the, the trust that I've built up with Seven um, and the space that they're able to hold for me because of the kink play that we've had um, has allowed me to go so deep in my personal healing in ways that I didn't even know were there. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a deep breath moment. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, that's, it's really beautiful, the, the conversation around healing. Um, and, and just for people out there listening, we did an episode on aftercare with Midori. And you can go see like, you know, all the ways in which things may come up for you. Um, I love like, you know, we've been talking about Um, We've been talking about the drop in the emotional state and um, you mentioned PTSD and like trauma coming up and we kind of like noted to this just a little bit um, around like catharsis and energy and consent, but like the healing aspect, it's really deep like the places that you can allow yourself to go to, the places that you avoid. Um, I've had a lot of really healing experiences inside of the world of kink that I just never saw coming. Never, not once, it even crossed my mind that that would come up and it did. Um, And so like to be able to be held and healing in that process afterwards, um, whatever it looks like, sometimes it looks like smashing things with a baseball bat, like (laughs) it's different. Um, And so, um, yeah, if you could share a bit more about like the healing aspect and, uh, and like what, 
I don't know, the trauma, the healing, anything that comes up for you there. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, speaking personally, um, a lot of the sort of kink play that I kind of value the most and that is the most healing for me is the the stuff that gives me a sensation that I I need on some level. Like there there's a depth of feeling and you know of, of like pressure or um, you know I'll just give an example. Um, <laughs> I I love being pressed and squeezed really hard, like as hard as you can. And there's really no limit you know, <laughs> to like <laughs> how hard it can go. And I, I think that um, it's just incredibly regulating for me. And I think it comes from um, sort of a lifetime of being uh, overwhelmed, overstimulated, mm-hmm. and managing that all the time. Um, managing what environments I'm in, managing how I'm you know, showing up in those spaces um, and trying to keep tabs on my overwhelm. Um, Like my senses can just be on fire uh, a lot of the time. And things like deep pressure, it calls attention to only one place in your body. Um, And it can feel like, you know, all of the anxiety, all of the tension is just being smushed out. Mm. And that's a a total reset for me. Um, So that's like kind of a small example of like, I I get, I would call that kinky for myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I can't really explain why. (laughs) And if I had to explain like why that was sexy, I don't know if I could, but I know that there's, it's kind of in that line of, of like a pleasurable sensation that's also um, healing in in the way that it's like fixing something that was uncomfortable mm. um, and something that was in the background um, that we're just kind of holding up into the light and saying, hey, let's look at this and let's crush it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kink is a mindset and it's a mindset of exploration. And I I just, we're being really, really honest right now. I've been going through a lot of gender exploration and I have an Oculus and I've been able to watch POV porn from a, like a a pussy having perspective. Um, And And it's been really foundational for me for my like gender healing exploration. I, I really like, it is something that is something I considered from a kink perspective from a like, wouldn't that be kind of crazy and like hot. And I was like, wow, this just feels natural. (laughs) Maybe there's something there, you know? And uh, yeah, like that's the kind of like, I mean, I was raised in a really conservative place as like a very like queer 
like, you know, non-gender conforming, but not but like pretty conforming because that was safe and, you know, like pansexual, whatever. And so um, because my gender and sexuality is so fluid, I really defaulted towards like being very like cis heteronormative because mm. it just was like easier and was less scary like with all my social anxiety it wasn't like just easy for me to be an outsider so um but like being able to like much later I'm 40 now and like being able to explore these things for the first time because of that kink perspective because of that like play with play with what is sexuality mm-hmm. play with what is and to not have something be your identity because you do it once because you have a concept of like play means play means to get to try something and having few consequences of of results Mm -hmm. like so it's like to play with something means to be able to try something on and be like is this me i don't know yeah Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you know, you pointed to a few things around eroticism. I'm like, I, I get the experience for me that it's intimacy and excitement. Like, like that, I don't know, that rush, like it could kind of go anywhere. It doesn't have to result in orgasm. Like it could just be that like in and of itself, a really beautiful experience. Um, yeah. A really thumpy bass noise. <laughs> A thumpy what? Bass noise, like like a like a rave speaker. To me, is like the most sexual thing I've ever experienced. Oh my <laughs> I mean, all of that like per, like percussive vibration going through. Yeah, like running through the body. Yeah. Um. Before we move forward, you mentioned the phrase Oculus. I think it took me a minute to figure out that's a VR headset. Is that? Oh accurate? yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like Facebook VR headset. Got it. Got it. Okay. I, I mostly play Beat Saber, which is a video game where you hold swords and you chop squares and to the beat of like really terrible EDM music. Um, and Danny watches porn. <laughs> but they're both they're both flow state activities. They are <laughs> flow state. Yeah, and I would I would argue that they're both just a bit erotic. I love smashing things. I think there are people out there who could relate to the rush and the feel that that is. I, it's, yep, smash porn. Yeah. Yeah. And you know we're talking a lot about what I would call like unconventional sources of eroticism and um, pleasure um, and kinkiness and I think um, that in itself just kind of recognizing and giving giving value and giving space to things in your life that are not just like PIV sex uh, that connect you with erotic energy is in itself healing to break out of to allow yourself to break out of the the mold of what you're expected to find pleasurable um and I think it's to me it's healing because it's validating of your internal experience and of whatever you know your brain chemistry is your 
um, socialized self. Um, it's all really complex and we can find these little pockets of belonging um, in a whole bunch of different sensations. And I think that's the beauty of kink is, is like, yeah, let's find all of those pockets no matter how weird they are. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so there was one thing that we didn't mention and then we also do have a question submitted. Um, so one of the things we're looking at is like inside and outside of the world of kink and the way that it's viewed. Um, and one of the things that like comes up constantly is the way that kink is portrayed in popular media. So I know we talked about like the fantasy versus the reality, which I loved that phrasing. Um, can you just share a bit about like how, how that shows up and you know, how it actually differs from what we see on TV? Sorry, yeah. Well, I think what I think what I hear you talking about is sort of like the the Fifty Shades of Grey problem, and sort of like yeah, yeah. How, <laughs> how what's portrayed as kinky and sexy on TV is not like the best kink practices and isn't always like doesn't it's not always consensual and it's and it's like and it when you're looking at it can, can we call them the worst kink practices yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean and and because of that people watching that can be like well I don't want that in my life which is like yeah fair enough I don't want that in my life either <laughs> that's like I think, you know, like, I think a lot of people find that sexy and there is a problem, I think, with kind of like, it's like when professional wrestling became big and people started jumping off their garage roofs and hitting each other with chairs and like go to the hospital. And it's like, I think they're saying the same problem with kink. It's like, there is some people trying it that way and that's not good. Um, so I which is why there are kink communities, which is why there's kink education, like the uh, Topping Book and The Bobbing Book, I highly recommend. Those are great books by- uh, uh, Juliet Hardy Jenny and Darcy Easton. Yeah. Late. Well, let's get those in the chat as a resource. Okay. Oh, no, 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 not you. <laughs> I was like, I want it. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> <laughs> well, could you repeat them again so that we make sure we um, actually have it? Yeah, it's a companion series, the topping book and the bottoming book. And it's really great because if you're in a dynamic, you can sort of read the same content, but from two different perspectives. Um, and um, there's, there's so many resources out there. I, I can't name all the good kink books, but, and I can't name all the good kink communities, but you know, there's online communities and there's communities in person depending on where you live. Um, and for me, navigating community is hard. That's part of my autism. So I have, I've had to lean on books and chat rooms and things like that to learn. But, um, but yeah, like don't, don't learn kink from Fifty Shades of Grey. And, no. and if you're, if you're like, 
and I would just like encourage people that maybe have um, ruled out kink for themselves because they've seen kink portrayed on a movie um, in a way that seems not in line with their values. Like, know that kink needs to align with your value. You create kink for yourself and you create it within your values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, the way that kink yeah. is portrayed or dynamics are portrayed on social media, it can, it's the same deal. You know, mm. Fifty Shades of Grey is one extreme example, but when um, you're seeing a DS dynamic wherever, you know, on social media, there is a, um, that's like the surface. And that's the, the performance, the performative aspect, which is fun and important and yeah. uh, really builds community, you know, to put your, put on the performance mm -hmm. of your dynamic. Mm -hmm. And still, um, there's probably a lot, or there should be a lot going on underneath the surface um, that you're not seeing, you know, in the hour um that you see like a particular performance yeah yeah mm. um okay so i we have a question uh that came in and this points uh, back to your work so um we'll share about this and then a little bit more about the work you do before we wrap um so much of your gear is financially inaccessible for the average or low-income person as most handmade kink gear is um, in what ways can kink and leather producers do more to make great to make gear more available to all who wish to participate, especially especially marginalized folk? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like, like to be honest, like when we started this, we started this to to make this something that would work for our lifestyle, something that we could, you know, like you speak up a little bit. We started this as something that would work for us, for something that would work for us to have jobs doing this. And um, we've been trying to figure out how to build a business model that works for that. Um, and this has been brought up to us before, and I think about it a lot, actually. Like, how do we make sure that we're not just catering to the wealthy? Because um, that's not what I want to be doing. That's not my mission. And so some ideas that we've had, and you know, we're a couple years into this and we definitely have some ideas that we'll be rolling out over the next year or two. Um, but some things we've talked about are like putting out DIY kits, like making it so we can laser cut um, leather and send it out and let you put it together. Cause it's like, I can't, I can't spend time sewing for cheaper. Like that's not how I can, you know, that's not my mission. But what I can do is I can try to make it so where I'm maybe I'm not the one sewing it. You know, I'll let you do the hand sewing and I'm just gonna send you the leather that's been laser cut and, and so you get used to our tools, but you have to do the finishing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So those types of things can be done. Um, and and there also are a lot of DIY, like DIY resources. Like um, I know there are subreddits on like DIY BDSM gear. And, you know, I, I started this because I was making my own gear because for me, I do make my own gear for me. and like that's really important that I make my own gear. It's it's a spiritual thing for me. Yeah. And so this business is me getting to make that for other people too and have like have me be supported on that. Yeah. 
but yeah, uh, you know, and so, you know, both the DIY and the providing, I think that the leather community can provide, you know, more resources to DIYers on how to make it more accessible. And I'd like to be doing that. I love it. I love it. And um, I think, you know, we also really uh, embrace trading and non-financial um, ways of, you know, getting this material and these tools into people's hands, whether whether that's modeling with us or maybe, you know, we have um, trading of, we do like SEO work with um, somebody in our community and we're trading, you know, for that. So there, as people, like we, we want to embrace non-financial, non-capitalist, you know, ways of uh, helping each other and getting, getting our needs met. Um, so for those who can afford it financially, that is great. And um, I think, you know, there's a lot of flexibility with us. And I think a lot of makers, you know, uh, mm -hmm. who are just people. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that comes up a lot. I have a, one of our models, who's also one of my partners, um, who has done a lot of lingerie modeling, has worked with a lot of the lingerie makers, like very directly. And, and you know, you don't realize that you can actually talk to, to makers directly, and just send them an email most of the time and say, <laughs> like, hey, this is, this is what's going on with me. Like, what can we do? And I, I'm highly motivated to find a solution. I love it. I love it. You know, that's one of the big parts that I think people miss out there is that these are artisans and craftspeople. Like what you're doing is it's detailed and it's an art form all on its own. So that's something to consider when you are going into spaces and looking at what's available for purchase. Um, I love the fact that you offer the service trade conversation. Um, also, someone's looking at your website and they think they are like the designs are beautiful and they mention that um, paying in installments is something that you offer. Um, so I think- yeah. Yeah, I think that's also really huge for people who are like, how do I, how do I have this be accessible for me? Yeah, and you know, like truthfully, we want it to be accessible to the customers, and we need it to be accessible to us as well. And yep. you know, we, I, I want to pay, I want to be able to like pay the makers that I'm a consumer from, fully, um, and you know, for those anyone who can't afford like a $300 paddle, I get it, you know, I really do. <laughs> and I wish we could all, in fact, I wish it wasn't even a thing. Yeah. But, um, I guess um, what I'm trying to say is, is um, no, never mind, I lost it. <laughs> it's all good you deserve every every penny and as a craftsperson it's really beautiful to see your work and to be around what you do I mean it's it's special you know it's more than just you know it's more than just your average set of gear you know like I've I've sold the plastic made things and yeah. you know I've come across so many things that are very I guess standard and what you're doing is quite special and unique. So I think that's one of the beautiful things that people also need to know. Well, thank you for saying that. Thank you. It's good to hear that feedback. I mean, we started this in the pandemic and we 
happen. Like it's it's always really good to get out and talk to people and and get feedback because uh, it's it's soul work. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> soul work. Ah, uh, because like they're buying a little piece of you, you know, and the heart you put into it. Um, all right. Do you have any resources, anything that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Um, well, definitely uh, encourage anybody to go check out our Instagram. Uh, we do a lot on there. We uh, like it's it's the content side of things is another big part of what we do. Like mm-hmm. like meeting up with content creators and models and doing doing really elaborate content, and it's 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 a, a deep form of expression for both us and the people we're working with. Um, so please check us out. And Sabersmith is spelled S M Y T H. S A B E R. S A B E R S M Y T H. Yes. Yeah. That was great. Okay, we're definitely going to get that up there. Um, Okay, so we actually will answer some of these. Uh, we'll answer some of these questions in the after chat. So definitely, definitely check out the Patreon if you have anything that hasn't been asked uh, or responded to yet that you want to get in. Please uh, get access to the after chat, and we'll continue these conversations there. Um, we're gonna go ahead and wrap the show. Thank you both so much for being here. Stick around for the after chat, um, and I'm gonna go ahead and close us out. Um, Thank you everybody for listening today. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Our events coming up this season, we have The Chase, November 4th through 7th. You can learn more at thechase.pet. And we also have the Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit coming February 4th and 5th, 2023. Uh, Early bird tickets will be coming October 15th. So go over to sexhealthsummit.com and RSVP. Uh, Get one-on-one coaching with me by visiting our link tree. Uh, Remember, you can ask us anything. Bye.